Welcome to This Functional Life, a show for women just like you, who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, purpose. We're going to deconstruct norms, uncover your deepest desires, harness your physical and mental health, and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what you want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking complex science and making it easy to understand and integrate into daily life. Join the journey to make this chapter the best ever. Let's get thriving. As you know, on This Functional Life, we are really always talking about what it means to be a woman, particularly in the second season of life as we go through the change, menopause. And, you know, there's a lot of conceptions and misconceptions, if, especially if you listen to some of my other podcasts about our hormones, and particularly the podcasts where I went through the 12, the 12 uh, specific reasons why it may be hard to lose weight when you're in your 40s and 50s and above because of the hormone changes that we go through. And there's several hormones that I talked about in that series, but I want to talk specifically a little deeper about estrogen today because... Uh, there's a lot of stuff that gets thrown around, um, especially in the um, media world that oversimplifies and takes actually a very complex topic and sort of buckets. Basically, if if you have estrogen and you're young, of course, because we do, if you're under the age of, of 50 or haven't gone through menopause, you have estrogen. And guess what? It's what makes you young. It's what makes your, your body curvy. It's what keeps your skin supple, all those different things. And that estrogen is absolutely great for you until you go through menopause and then estrogen's the devil and it's going to cause you to die. And which is an oversimplification and is an inaccuracy. If you listen to a lot of my conversation, there is there is some important things to understand. So that's what I want to unpack today is, is it friend or foe? I feel like I need to have a little background of Adam Ant. <laughs> if you guys remember Adam Ant from the 80s, his song, Friend or Foe. So let's talk a little bit about estrogen. So first off, our primer, what is estrogen? So estrogen is the predominant female hormone. And in females, human females, we make three estrogens. We make estrone, estradiol, and estriol. Estradiol is considered the most protective of those hormones. It's the most powerful. Estrone would be next. And then estriol is a relatively weak hormone. And estriol is actually made as the body sort of metabolizes and starts to degrade and break down estradiol and estrone. So let's talk about where it's made. So in a ovulating female, so the ovaries are still working, we're still reproductive, a significant portion of our estrogen is actually made by our ovaries, so it's produced. So what is really menopause? Menopause is really the cessation of the production or the majority of the production of your circulating estrogen by your ovaries. Now, we also have the ability to make estrogen out of other hormones. And these other hormones are our androgens. And androgens are those male hormones. And so androgens are things like DHEA and testosterone. And then there's another one called androstenedione. And those hormones can be aromatized, which basically that's the name of the enzyme that allows your body to take those hormones and then alter them into estrogens. And when we go into postmenopause, what little bit of circulating estrogen we may have is actually the product of most of that aromatization. 
how does this happen? So where does, where does this really occur? So we have plenty of places in the body where we have this activity and actually our fat cells are one of the greatest producers of estrogen through that aromatase enzyme. So a lot of women will say, gosh, Betty, you know what? I, you know, went through menopause and all of a sudden, you know, it looks like I'm getting weight creeping around the middle. I feel like I have this middle tire and I haven't changed anything. It's part of it is the aromatization action of androgens being changed into estrogens, estradiol, and predominantly estrone. And so that's where the body's using those fat cells as an ability to make those circulating estrogens because estrogen is protective for us. And we also can do that in other brain tissues. So what's interesting is we look at postmenopausal women, and if we look in older men, estradiol doesn't really function the same way, and, and same with estrone and another metabolite called estrone sulfate. So now when you go through menopause, your estradiol is no longer circulating. However, you do have tissue levels of estrogens, estradiol, and estrone that are still active in those tissues. And guess where they're active? the breasts, the brain, the bone. And at a local level, they act as what they call a paracrine gland. So they act as their own sort of glandular production of estrogens. What does that really mean? So what it means is, is when we're a postmenopausal woman, our tissue levels, particularly in our breasts and our brain, may actually be quite the same, right? We may have the same level of estrogens in those tissues that are locked into those tissues, activating those receptors. However, the circulating levels that are that are fluctuating throughout the month that provide all those positive benefits are no longer present. One of the things I always thought was weird about the the sort of what's the word I'm looking for? Dogma about every woman should be off estrogen after postmenopause. It's unnecessary, even though for decades, it was the standard of care for women until the women's health study. And if you've listened to me, you know that that study just needs to get retracted and never mentioned again for poor design and just specious results. But at the end of the day, it always, it always made me pause and I couldn't figure out, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So if estrogen is the devil and it causes breast cancer, then why do we see such an uptick in breast cancer risk when our circulating levels of estrogen have now plummeted? I can tell you when, when I did my blood work, when I finally went through menopause, it said less than five. I had less than five in my blood for estradiol. So it was literally nothing. But now at this point, my risk for breast cancer is more significant than when I had an entire decade of estrogen dominance where I had an extraordinary amount of estrogen that was circulating. And so part of it is, is that balance between that circulating level of estradiol and the, the tissue levels of these estrogens that are really acting on those receptors. And what's interesting is testosterone is the same way. As testosterone comes down in both men and women, we get much more receptor activity and tissue activities than we do actually in the, in the body itself circulating around. We looked at estrogen biosynthesis. So this is the body actually making estrogen, particularly in, in some studies of breast cancer. They found that the concentration of estradiol present in the breast tumor of postmenopausal women was at least 20-fold higher than what it was in the plasma. When they apply like an aromatase inhibitor therapy, which is the common therapy like the tamoxifens, the letrozoles, they saw a precipitous drop 
inside the tumor concentrations of estradiol and estrone together. Estrone is actually way more pro-inflammatory and especially estrone sulfate is more pro-inflammatory, which is a, think of it as part of that detox pathway for your estrogen. So it's like the next step that your body produces and it's a little more toxic than estrogen or estradiol. And so what they found was that, you know, the breast adipose tissue may be responsible for these higher tissue concentrations of estrogen found in the breast tissue. So when you listen to that, it's it's not the circulating levels. It's the it's the actual levels inside the tissue. So here's my question, and I and I can't really answer this yet. I've, I'm this is where I'm now digging in my geeky research. Is the loss of that circulating estradiol that is so important that allows us to maintain our brain health and our heart health and our bone health, our lean muscle mass, and all those things that are so important to our body staying young? Is it the loss of that and this excess tissue without the stimulation or possibly the counterbalance of effect of estradiol circulating that may be part of the problem and why we see an increased risk of, of, of breast cancer in postmenopausal women? Because at the end of the day, if it was all about just having too much estrogen, every 20-year-old and every pregnant woman on the planet would have breast cancer. So that's a little bit inaccurate, right? It's, it doesn't tell the whole picture, and there's a lot that really needs to be unpacked. Now, in bone... Right. So in our bones, estrogen is very important to osteoblasts. That's the construction crew that builds your bone. And when we lose that estrogen, bone building goes away. Bone destruction continues rapidly. So the majority of women in the last two decades that listened to their doctor and were terrified to take hormone replacement that happen to have osteoporosis right now, the primary driving factor for most of those women was the loss of estrogen. It's not the lack of Fosamax. It's because their body lost this primary driver of the construction crew that builds bone. And, and it's very important that we have that. It's, it appears that this local activity of, of aromatase, that androgen, so taking your testosterone or androstenedione and making it into estrogen, is responsible for the maintenance of mineralization. But because we lose that other circulating estrogen, we don't have as much. So we can't really do that. And so we, that's part of the problem. We see estrogen insufficiency in circulating levels. We're not stimulating those osteoblasts. And even though there might be some localized activity on the bone, it may not be important. So in this context, let's let's figure out what's really happening too with testosterone because there's a lot of discussion about testosterone being a male hormone and and women have testosterone too and actually women and men make close to the equal amounts of testosterone and estradiol but it's on the order of 50% rather than 10% in the case of women relative to men both hormones play a really important physiological role and when you look at your labs like if you can get your doctor to run a, a total testosterone and then a total estradiol you'll notice that they have different ones picograms and one nanograms and so they use a different reference value. And so it often looks like, well, I have very low testosterone relative to estrogen or estradiol. That's not true. We actually have a lot of testosterone circulating now to the magnitude of men. Again, it's it's more than 50% in many cases by the time we're at, in this time period, significantly lower levels of testosterone. However, in postmenopausal women, most of the testosterone is formed and acts on and is metabolized in those specific tissues. Like I said, it's going to be in the fat cells being aromatized and being made and in the adrenals. And the ovaries do produce a little bit. Again, once we go through menopause, they sort of fizzle out. 
And so what we really understand now is that these hormones are important. And when you go through menopause, we start to see not only the risk for osteoporosis, because again, we're not signaling that construction crew to grow and build. And then we see an increased risk of breast cancer and other things because we have localized estrogen in the tissues that are stimulating those those receptors that may not be getting whatever counterbalance activity they really need because the circulating levels are now gone. And we have visceral fat and adipose tissue, fat tissue in the body, amplifying the production of particularly estrone, which is more pro-inflammatory, which gets made into estrone sulfate, which is even more inflammatory. And then depending on your genetics and how you exit those hormones out of your body through biotransformation, you may get them stuck where they might get recirculated. The other thing that we know is postmenopausal women have a bigger risk for metabolic syndrome. And it's because that loss of estrogen affects the actual function of insulin at the cell. And especially if you go back and listen to my 12 reasons why women have a harder time losing weight over 40, I go into this in great detail. So I don't want to kind of beat that horse today. But we know that we have some major players. The big one is we see greater insulin resistance, either with excess estrogen, like when we're in our 40s, and that's all that's really playing because progesterone is now lower, or we have a lot of insulin being produced, but we have no estrogen. And so estrogen helps insulin function at the cell. The other thing that we see too is estrogen and some of our adrenal hormones like epinephrine affect two receptors on muscle cells. Um, Estrogen actually affects the GLUT4 transporter, which helps take glucose into a muscle cell. So basically that taxi cab to take glucose to the muscle cell goes home. Uber is not driving today. Nobody's picking up the glucose. So we can't burn glucose as efficiently as we could before. And then we also have adrenal receptors on the fat cells, particularly the subcutaneous fat, like on our hips, thighs, and abdomen, that basically go to sleep. So the electronic impulse that is supposed to tell me, hey, burn this fat isn't really working. And so we see that. So we have this greater risk for insulin resistance. When we have lost circulating estrogen and we see a greater risk of type 2 diabetes and metabolic syndrome. So ultimately what it comes down to is it's estrogen and our three estrogens are neither friend nor foe. And it's important to recognize that, you know, when we're young... We have normal circulating levels. Many of us had somewhat balanced levels and maybe our balance got a little bit off as we ended up in our 40s and we had that loss of circulating progesterone, which sort of counterbalances it. And then eventually your ovaries peter out. But it's not too much or too little. And I think particularly women in my age group, we, we get a lot of stories told where it's the most dangerous thing on the planet that you can't actually do estrogen replacement because it's going to cause breast cancer. And, you know, if you look at the women's health study and you look at the absolute risk of breast cancer, the absolute risk coming out of that study for any woman, regardless of who you are, by, you know, hormone replacement or not, you have a four in 1000 chance of having breast cancer. Now, if you look at the absolute risk and look at the true data, not not the snippets of, you know, fancy um, statistical manipulation, it goes to five in 1,000. When the women were taking PremPro, which is estradi or equine 17 hormone estrogen, Premarin, plus a synthetic progestin, which is really where the risk occurred. Because when you look at the women's health study and you look specifically at breast cancer, the women that were in the arm that did just 
the equine estrogen, so just Premarin, actually showed a slight improvement in risk in breast cancer compared to the controls who took nothing and definitely compared to the ones that took the PremPro. When I read that data, when I actually read the study, not just the abstract, you can't trust an abstract. So if you ever read a study, don't trust the abstract. When I actually dug through the research and really looked at it and started looking at actual breakdown of the information, it it showed that it was slightly protective, which then brought me to my last question, is estrogen friend or foe? Because if we saw a decrease, minute, but a slight decrease, then it might be because those estrogen receptors on the breast tissue and some of the other ovaries and uterine tissue don't get a counterbalance sort of circulating level, maybe it is because we are missing that circulation and there's some overstimulation of those receptors. I can't really honestly answer that right now. That is where I'm kind of sticking my head down to do some more research and really understand because I, I do think we robbed two decades of women's lives of their ability to have you know, great working brains, great working bodies, a great libido, bone density, and and reduced risk for osteoporosis, and also stroke, heart attack, and oh, by the way, Alzheimer's and dementia, because women, when we lose our estrogen, we have that same risk. And the other major thing that I think is really important to look at, too, from an estrogen standpoint, is that estrogen really isn't just a hormone by itself. You know, we have a symphony and we have several other hormones that play along with it. So when we see that dramatic drop of estrogen, then it, it's it's going to have an effect on other hormones. And part of that development of metabolic syndrome risk that we see is because we have hormone changes that go along with it. Estrogen is a hormone that's synthesized in the brain. It's synthesized in the muscle, adipose tissues, your fat tissues, and it acts as a regulatory energy hormone along with leptin, which is your fat storage hormone that your fat cells make that talks directly to your brain and your hypothalamus and tells your brain whether to store fat or not. It works with adiponectin, which is basically the hormone that pulls fat out of the fat cell and dumps it into the bloodstream so epinephrine can pick it up, resistin, and cortisol. And so when we lose that circulating level of estrogen, we have a hormonal effect across the board with all these other hormones. And as we look at the overall effect of estrogen, we have to remember that Humans are one of the only mammals that actually live a significant period of time after reproductive years. So what that means is, is we weren't designed to live 35 years after our hormones petered out. We have successfully done that through sanitization and health measures and medical advancement and better food and all those things, right? So You know, if we look forward, you know, maybe 100,000, 200,000 years from now, maybe we will actually go through menopause at 75, right? Maybe our our life extension will actually show up as a hormonal extension. But today, in less than 120 years, we went from an average lifespan of 57 years to, you know, almost 83 on average. And most of those diseases of aging are reduced when we have circulating hormones. So what does this really mean to you? Estrogen is neither friend nor foe. And it's all about having appropriate levels of estrogen and what's happening between circulating levels of estrogen and what's happening in the tissues. And that you can do other things. We've talked about DNA testing on this on this podcast before, and we've talked about hormone metabolism testing. There are ways to identify and look at some of these risk patterns to see, is it something that makes sense for you or not? 
not, you know, as a non-prescriber, I like looking into the stuff and I'm not biased because I'm not personally prescribing. So I'm not benefiting by telling you this information. But what I am benefiting from is, is finding out what the real truth is here. And so when we look at whether estrogen is friend or foe, I think every person is individual. That's why in our clinic and what we do with our hormone reset programs and all these other things is we come down to an N of one. We're all individual. But when we look at it, I think you can't just say estrogen is bad, throw it out with the bathwater. And when you're postmenopausal, you just need to dry up, have no libido, gain weight, have saggy skin and dry hair and all the things that go along with it, because that's just the way it goes. I think that's an inappropriate way of looking at it. So today, I hope you found this interesting and also informative and educational. And I will go into deeper depth talking about particularly estrogen in these target tissues and how it plays a role in bones and breast cancer and other things. But I just wanted to bring this bigger target information up so we could have a real conversation. Thank you so much for tuning into this functional life. You are why I'm here and I am so very grateful. You're here for a reason. I celebrate your commitment to claiming your youthful energy and stepping into this next phase of life, feeling vibrant, healthy, and powerful. I am so proud of you. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD. And if you want a chance to share your story with our tribe or find out more about working with my team, you can sign up at chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. Again, that's chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. See you next week. Bye-bye.